Texas Tech will face off against NC State for their third non-conference game of the 2022 football season. And there's reason to believe the Wolfpack might be the toughest test for the Red Raiders in non-conference. I've got Kenton Gibbs of the Lockdown Wolfpack on to take a look at NC State this year. And we'll give our previews and predictions for this non-conference contest. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Locked on Texas Tech. It is a nice Tuesday afternoon here. I'm Emery Lida, your host, as always. I'm joined today by Kenton Gibbs of the host of Locked on Wolfpack. Now, before we get into anything today, I do want to make sure you guys, if you're on Locked on Texas Tech, do check out the previous previews for the 2022 football season. I just recorded with Jonathan Davis on Friday and that, that episode is out already, so you can check that out, in addition to the Houston and Murray State previews that I've already done. Now, Kenton, as we get into the 2022 football season, it's one that is highly anticipated for NC State. You guys come into the season off of a 9-3 and record last year, really could have easily gone 11-1, and close loss to the Wake Forest and Miami last year. But as you look at this NC State preseason, I have to first ask, just how's the vibe around the program as you get into the season really high expectations and arguably a team that could be on the dark horse candidate for the college football playoff. The, the feeling is that of higher expectations than we've seen in quite some time in route. Like that's just the reality. I played for Doran. I was part of his first ever recruiting class and there has never, not one time since I've been here, been any team uh, as far as football goes that has had this high of expectations uh, placed upon them. And so it's it's really a season where it's it's going to show sink or swim who you are. Can you handle the pressure of being a team that is that people are looking at highly or will you wilt under it? It's it's a question that will be answered in games like this Texas Tech game. Yeah, and I mean, you look back at NC State over the years, and it's really nice that you mentioned that you were part of Dorian's first recruiting class. Now, something I was going to bring up is just you look at the first few years under Dorian, you guys had – a little bit of struggles, I would say, up until about 2019 or so. Then that's really when kind of the ship started to flip. Obviously, 2020 was a good year as you came. You went eight and three, I believe, and or nine and three, excuse me, with the um, bowl game against Kentucky. This past year, obviously, you went nine and three. Again, another solid year with Devin Leary at the helmet quarterback. So really, it's like after that 2019 season, people were maybe calling for Dorian's head. But the last two years, you've seen NC State really show up to be a top three or four team in the ACC. So as you look at this team and you see kind of the expectations around it, is this something that you guys expected before 2020? Did, could you see the momentum building under Dorian or was it just something that kind of came out of the blue? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When when Devin Leary had gotten hurt, I told everybody who would listen, um, when he comes back next year, this team is going to be a force because the way that out of every dark moment, out of every bad thing, good thing, anything that happens in life, there is always a silver lining. And the silver lining out of what happened during Doran's worst year, which I would say would be uh, probably 2018, when everybody named Mama who put on a Wolfpack jersey was hurt that year, um, I knew that, number one, people that weren't supposed to be playing were forced into playing. That that helps grow and develop a team. But number two, 
folks were going to get back healthy and we were going to see what people really were. And then you add that on to guys having game experience that otherwise would not have. That's a recipe for success. And then you look at uh, you look at the, some of the things that they've been doing on the recruiting trail as well. The success that has come as a result of that should not be a great surprise. If you are familiar with this program, if you're familiar with uh, Coach Thunder and what he does as far as strength conditioning, if you're familiar with Coach Gibson, it's it, it wouldn't be a big surprise uh, to see that Doran's having the success that he's had as of late. Got you. And as we get into some of the specific players, you've got to start with Devin Leary. I mean, 2021 for him was building off of what we've already seen from his, him as a quarterback, as really a veteran of the state program. Like when I think of what NC State was able to do from 2019 onwards, 2020 obviously didn't get to play a lot, got injured if I remember correctly as well. But the efficiency was there in 2021. We finally got to see a fully healthy Devin Leary for a full season. And the numbers for any Texas Tech fans out there, they are incredible. Eight yards per attempt, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. He went for over 3,000 yards in only a 12-game season. Really impressive. He does lose his top receiving threat from last season, which we'll get into in just a couple minutes. But when you talk about Leary, there is some real Heisman hype going around him. And I have my opinion on it. I think it's justified. But as you look at him, as you've obviously watched a lot of Devin Leary, do you think it's justified? And where do you think he stacks up as some of the best quarterbacks in the nation? Well, I just I want to say this. Everybody called me crazy. They said I was a madman and a homer when I said after this sample size that we saw out of 2020, there is no reason to not believe that Devin Leary will come close to breaking some records. He will come close. He will be in the record books uh, as far as NC State records go for multiple things. I told everybody that and they said, well, he only played against Duke and he played at the end of the uh, Virginia Tech game when they were pretty much giving them soft defenses to throw at and all that. And people said, well, you know, you, you haven't really seen. But I said, for what he gave and the when you couple in the context of the fact that he missed a ton of camp because of COVID and came out and did that, when you have an entire offseason where not only are you the guy, but then you go in with a full camp it's no reason to believe that you can't expound upon what was already good. So is the Heisman hype justified after what we saw last year? You tell me what in what world do we look at quarterbacks with a seven to one touchdown interception ratio playing against uh, in a power five conference playing in a situation where like objectively speaking, and this is not a knock on, on any of his guys. This isn't, because what happens a lot is when you praise one guy, sometimes you tear others down. This is an objective fact. This is not to knock anybody or anything like that. And this is, and I'll say this, if this draft were different and we didn't have all the players who got the extra COVID year in it, this wouldn't be the case. Not a single skill position player that Devin Leary played with last year was drafted. Not a single one. Crazy. You talked about lo- losing his leading receiver. Ameka Amezi was an undrafted free agent. You talk about losing his two leading rushers. Um, both Bam Knight and Ricky Person, neither were drafted. Neither were drafted. So we're looking at a situation where we say all of these great things that Devin Leary has done with, again, these guys in a different year where the draft pool is smaller. Sure, they probably get drafted. But even then, I don't think that these are super high uh, level guys that you're looking at and you're like, there's there is 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 just no way that any quarterback could not succeed with what he had. That's not the case. Devin Leary's Heisman hype is definitely verified 
It is certified. You can stamp it. In the words of Stevie Wonder, sign, seal, deliver this yours because he deserves it. Yeah, and Larry, obviously, you mentioned the two running backs that ended up leaving. And really, for me, looking at Bam Knight, you wouldn't have anticipated him maybe being a guy that ended up leaving, but certainly a guy that entered the draft, went undrafted, which wasn't a huge surprise. But you come into the running back position, and outside of offensive line, which we'll also get to in a minute, I think the running backs is one of the more interesting positions because you have Jordan Houston, who, if I remember correctly, had quite a bit of playing time back, and I think it was 2019. So he's a guy that... NC State fans are familiar with and has had some production, but there's really a lot of unknowns at the running back. So as you guys go went through spring training, is there any of the guys in the spring game or in practice that really stood out outside of Houston as maybe taking on the number one or number two role like like person and Knight had last season, kind of with a one-two combo? You know, I've been hearing more and more about Demi Sumo and um, at Michael Allen as well. Those Those two are probably going to be guys to look out for in terms of uh, what you can expect out of our running game going forward, because Jordan Houston is a a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He can do a little bit of this. He can do a little bit of that. He can catch out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He's a versatile weapon that you can use in so many ways. And I think he'll be the lead back. I think he'll have over a thousand total yards, but in terms of guys who can alleviate that load and come in and give him a blow, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Demi Sumo and Michael Allen as the two that I'm saying, those are probably going to be the guys. I wouldn't be uh, too surprised if if Micah Crowell steps in there and, and does some good things as well. But this this team is going to be um, all about Devin Leary. And the question for the rest of the team becomes, we know what he is. We know what he's going to do. How can the guys around him support him? Because while many people call uh, quarterback the most important position in football, I say it's the most dependent position in football. You need to do you need so many people to do their jobs correctly and well in order to do your job effectively as a quarterback. Even if you throw the perfect throw, even if, you know, you get it exactly where you couldn't have handed it better to him if you were standing right next to him. If a receiver drops it, he drops it. You know what I mean? And that's a problem that we've seen with some of the receivers. Well, not some, but Devin Carter in particular coming back is it's been a problem. So the question is. What is the supporting cast going to do? Is this going to be a situation where we have uh, where we have uh, Destiny's Child, or is this going to be Beyonce as a backup dancer? And I'm I'm hoping this is the first. Got you. Yeah, and looking at NC State supporting cast last year, you had him like a I mean as the leading receiver. Obviously, he had a couple of really big games for me personally. The UNC game comes to mind where we oh. were where he came up really clutch for NC State down the stretch of that one. And just taking a look at what he was able to do for the program, I mean, he was a dependable guy for basically four seasons for that, for NC State. And you bring it, you have a couple other guys. You mentioned Devin Carter and some of the drops and sort of dependency issues, but he averaged almost 18 yards a catch last year. Really a lot of massive plays, six touchdowns as well. And as you bring back both him and Tyre Thomas on at the receiving position, those are two guys that have shown themselves to be at least th- at least threats that Leary is comfortable with. And outside of those two, where do you think the receiving production is going to come from NC State? Do you think either of those guys are capable of replicating the production that we saw from MVC in certain games? Or do you think there's going to have to be more of a committee approach when it comes to receiving position? Let me start here. Here, I am fueled by Tar Heel tears. Do you understand? I some people need pre-workout. Some people need uh, what's that creatine. Some people need protein. 
all I need in the morning. Some people say, don't wake me up till I've had my coffee. Don't talk to me until I've had my Tar Heel tea. <laughs> and that, oh, they rain down like melodies from heaven. But now, uh, in terms of who do I who do I expect to replace Emeka Mezzi? You don't replace a guy like Emeka Mezzi one for one. Well, actually, I'll say this. It's possible. But the guys who are going, the guy who I look at as being most responsible for doing that is a very different style of receiver than Emeka. I believe that Anthony Smith is, is he's a guy. I have talked about Anthony Smith and nauseam. Every time he is on the field, he is electric. Whatever he's doing. And I know what you're thinking. What do you mean, whatever he's doing? He, as a receiver, is electric. Big plays left and right. He's got that. If he's even, he's leaving speed. He's got a long frame, good catch radius. But here's the part that showed me. He got that dog in him. He's different. This young man would play special teams last year. And there were multiple impact plays that he made on special teams. That tells me about the kind of guy you are. Because that is a part of the game that most players, especially when you think about receivers, that's not a place where unless a receiver is the returner, you're not thinking, oh, that's a place where a receiver can impact the game. Uh, and, and Anthony Smith said, I beg your pardon, to that notion because he had a play where his helmet came off and he recovered a fumble uh, when he was on punt team. He had down multiple balls inside, I want to say the 15 or 10, and he was just – he played like a man possessed on special teams. And so you combine that with deep playability offensively. You combine that with the fact that some plays that he got open deep, he just wasn't hit. It, it, you look at that and you say, he's not going to be the same type of guy as plays. He's not going to be big body, strong, good catch radius, solid route runner – but he's, you know that he's going to make those catches when there's two, three guys around him within a couple yards. He's going to make that catch. I don't know if he's that guy because I haven't seen it at a high enough level to evaluate that. But he is a guy that when you turn on that tape and you truly watch, just watch him, I believe his number is 85. When you just watch 85, you see it manifest itself multiple times. Oh, this guy can fly. And he is high energy, high effort. He is a Duracell bunny because he just keeps going and going and going and going. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see because, as you mentioned, only four, he only got limited time at the receiving position, only did with four catches, but certainly was a factor on special teams and had the explosive playability. And I mean, when you look at this offense, really, there's just so many different weapons that have some limited usage over the last couple of years. I think that's one of the things that makes state. Maybe a little bit more of an interesting proposition offensively than some of the other teams. It's just the fact that they have so many guys, whether it be because of injury or because of the way that Dorian and the offense likes to sort of rotate guys inwards. It's just the fact that they have so many guys that have played snaps that are coming back. And even if they haven't had those 30, 40 catch seasons, they're still there's still a threat to factor in. And real quickly, though, before we got on the defense and some more stuff, I want to ask you about the offensive line because it's a line that has a fair bit of experience returning, but you do lose probably your best player, maybe on the offense in, gen in general, Nakeem Ekwanu at the left tackle position. So apologies for the possible mispronunciation on that one. But it's, aside from... It's all right. I, I've, I've noticed you mispronounced Doran a few times, so I, I wasn't expecting you to get Ekwanu Ekwanu right on your first shot. I noticed it. It's all right. You're good to go, man. Is that close enough? You're close. You're close. You were Gosh. close. It, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I'll tell you some pronunciations out here. I'm just like, 
Now, where did that letter come from? What did, where did you yeah. throw that letter in at? But I got you. You're good to go, man. Got you. So anyways, though, the point is the offensive line, you lose arguably the, big, the biggest part of it and protecting Lear's blind side, but you still return quite a bit of experience. Is that a concern for NC State as they head into the year, or is it more of something where you're looking at just being able to rely on the experience throughout the line as a whole and then just kind of gaining a little bit of experience at that left tackle position? I'll tell you what, this line needs to be better than it was last year. It needs to be better, period. Um, losing Big Ick is a big deal, right? First offensive player drafted, period, in last year's draft, right? There's there's no doubt about how important uh, a guy like that is to your team. But now, with that being said, this offensive line has to be able to run the ball, and I think that it was addition by subtraction, not because Ick is not a great player. He's the Pancake King of Raleigh. The man had uh, more bottles lined up than, uh, than than whatever nightclub you like to go to with your friends on Saturdays. But this, the the reality is, I feel like because of how dominant Big Ick was, it made uh, the offensive coordinator just a tad bit lazy. Tim Beck got a tad bit lazy and lacked creativity in the run game because the simple solution was always, well, run behind Big Ick. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a fighter if you've got one great punch and you keep going to it, you keep going to it, you keep going to it. Well, eventually people are going to figure out, regardless of how hard that punch comes, regardless of how fast it comes, they'll figure out, okay, wait a minute, this guy's got nothing else in his bag. So this year, I think that what will help the offensive line be better and, and alleviate that pressure that we saw last year coming from a team stacking up the left side, even if the left side was the short side of the field, I think that that comes in when you make a conscious decision and effort to say the ball has to be ran all over the place and we no longer have a guy that we know is going to clear out whoever is in front of them uh, and take him to the bus like Michael Orr and blindside or whatever the case may be. We have to get this ball ran one way or the other, because don't get me wrong. Yes, this team is going to be the Devin Leary show, but the best teams have balance. You need balance. You cannot succeed while just saying, oh, I'm going to ride this this one guy's coattails or I'm going to do just this one thing. Well, you're not Hawaii with Coke Brennan. That's not going to happen. That's not You're not introducing passing concepts that people have never seen before in that way. So with that being said, you need to have the ability to um, – you need to have the ability to have balance, which means you need to run the ball better than you did last year. Yeah, and for sure. And one last question on the offense before we get into the defense – are you confident in Tim Beck as a play as a play caller and someone to run the offense, or do you think that there's room to be desired? Because obviously, Tech fans know Tim Beck as a guy that probably gave them a couple of wins when he was in Austin. So, is there a little bit of uncertainty you, there? You know, not really, not really. I I'm under the I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, okay? I'm gonna tell you this. Tim Beck left Texas, right? But they they unceremoniously kicked him out the door, right? Did Texas get better after that? Not really. Did their offense get significantly better? No. Actually, for anyone listening to Locked On Texas Tech, we talked about this on Friday, but there was a lot of inconsistencies with the Texas offense over the last couple of years. So, Tim I'm Beck, a firm scapegoat? Hey, listen, I'm a firm believer. I'm a big numbers guy. You know what I mean? I, I'm a really big numbers guy. I'm a firm believer that if you remove a variable from a situation, if you move remove a certain stimuli from uh, the uh, a certain formula or whatever you're looking at, a certain test, and the outcome is the same, 
Well, it wasn't that variable or stimuli that was the problem. You're absolutely right. I think he was the scapegoat. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that Tim Beck is the Brent Venables of offense. You know what I mean? Because I think anybody who's ever heard me talk about Brent Venables knows how how great I believe his play calling is. He does some things defensively that are just – they blow my mind to watch. I don't think that Tim Beck is that, but I don't believe that he's uh, just some some unserious joker that like, you know, oh, if Tim Beck's your offensive coordinator – you know, doesn't matter what type of Larrys and Joes you got. He's going to give away a couple games a year. I don't think that's the case. Got you. Well, we're going to move on from Tim Beck's offense to another coordinator and another guy that Tech fans should be know, should be able to remember back from his days at West Virginia. That is Tony Gibson, his defense. But first, a message from some of our sponsors. Back again with Kenton Gibbs of Locked On Wolfpack talking about the NC State-Texas Tech game. And we're going to shift focus to the NC State defense lap heading into the 2022 season. Obviously, the offense is what will get a lot of the attention just because of the fact that Devin Leary is a Heisman candidate and just because of the amount of weapons that they have on the offensive side of things. But Tony Gibson last year had a defense that at times was really good. If you look at what some of their stats were, only 19.7 points per game allowed, finishing up second in the ACC. You had the 3-3-5 scheme, which is known for being able to create turnovers, ended up second in the ACC as well with 15 interceptions. And really they did so with quite a bit of injuries. If you look over the course of the season, I mean, you lost quite a few guys due due to injuries over the course of the season from the start of the season against South Florida to the end of the season against UNC, as well as the canceled Holiday Bowl, which unfortunately never got played. But, Kenton, as I look at this defense, you see a lot of guys that have played quite a few snaps coming back and getting a lot of experience. So for Texas Tech fans that might not know sort of what to expect from this defense, give me in two minutes what you think, A, the the best players on the defense are going to be, and B, what to expect schematically. That linebacking core is a buzzsaw. It is an absolute buzzsaw. There is not a single player, if you're looking through the top maybe five guys in that rotation, that I don't think, um, barring health, would not be playing on Sundays. Not a single one. And with that being said, in the 3-3-5, that's, you're giving your linebackers freedom to run and roam and come downhill and all that. And I'm telling you, when you're looking at um, – the guy who I think is probably the most talented of the three, Peyton Wilson, all over the field. He he was said to be a first-rounder if he could stay healthy last year. Obviously, that did not happen. But he's a guy that has first-round talent. That's just the reality. And then you go to Isaiah Moore, probably the smartest of the three. The guy who who is, whenever you ask anybody about him, they say words like cerebral. They say words like student of the game. They say words like uh, film rap because... He wants to know where the offense is going before they even get going there. And he's no slouch himself in terms of athletic ability. And then you talk about the guy who was healthy and was there the entire season in Drake Thomas. Now, he may be a little undersized. He may be a little short. He may be a little. But I'm going to tell you what, if you look at him and think short doesn't equal powerful. Well, he's a sawed off shotgun on the field. The man can bring it. And he gets up under guys and he's going to get up under that chin strap of yours and readjust it if you don't know what you're doing. So there, the linebacking core, we've got young guys coming behind them that are four, that four star type guys that are really, really just massive human beings. And you're looking at this team, you're looking at this linebacking core 
And I'm going to tell you this. Anybody who just says Devin Leary is going to be the, the star of the show for the entire team, well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I, I think you need to go back and watch some more NC State football because that defense at every level is scary. The question becomes, how well can our corners hold up against the outside pass? Because that, that's what got us whooped on in a few games that we lost last season. Against Miami, Charleston Rambo was made to look like a god amongst men. Against Wake Forest, there were multiple long conversions where our corners just panicked at the moment of truth. And in the three-three-five, you know that as a corner, you're going to be on the island a lot. That's part. That's what comes with the territory. So there's there's a question there. Our safeties, much different situation. But that linebacking core, absolute buzzsaws. They laid the groundwork because the defensive line is able to get so much movement and all that good stuff. And Corey Durden and 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 the guys up front do what they do. They free up those absolutely athletic and intelligent linebackers to go lay hat everywhere. Yeah, when you look at what this defense was able to do, I mean, it really does start with the linebacking core, like you mentioned. Having a lot of guys coming back healthy is going to have a major part as well. But for Texas Tech, they have a lot of receivers on the outside. They're 6'4 and 6'5, whether it be Jerome Bradley, whether it be J.J. Sparkman, Brady Boyd as well, coming in from Minnesota. You've got a lot of talent out there. And if you look at NC State's corners, you can make the argument that they're not short by any means. But certainly, like you mentioned last year, on the outside was an area where they struggled with. I mean. You mentioned the Miami game against Charleston Rambo. You look at some of the other receivers that they faced, and really it was those teams that had a lot of explosiveness on the outside. I mean, you look at some of the games against good offenses, like a Louisville that, that you would think had a lot of explosiveness. They only put up 13 points. But other games, again, UNC, even though on top of that game, allowed 30 points in a season where in a game where you had a guy like Josh Downs that was a difference maker. And then you look down the line again, Wake Forest, another team that had a lot of explosiveness at the receiver position. So with the secondary, you mentioned it kind of being a little bit of where NC State got, got into tr- trouble last year. Is there any changes in personnel or maybe a little bit of a difference in terms of just the depth of the team that you think might make a difference in terms of helping out the passing game and specific, specifically looking at the corners? Because if you what you if what you mentioned is exact and obviously what seems to be the case on Tate is the case, then it would seem that the corners are maybe the weakest point of this defense and what needs a little bit of change heading into this year. They got to grow up. They got to grow up. That's the reality. That's the, I, I don't think that there have been any greatly impactful guys who have been bought in. No disrespect to any of the players who are new, no disrespect to the freshmen. I, I hope y'all prove me wrong. But with that being said, I don't think that there's anybody who we expect right away to come in and, oh boy, he's an all conference guy right now. Right. And no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a that's a first round. I don't think that they bought in anybody of that caliber or anybody that you would think of in that in the, that regard at this moment. So the guys on the outside, you've got to grow up. You've got to play the ball better. You have got to see plays through and find ways to get off the field on third and fourth and long. At the end of the day, when that front seven does their job and they, you know, force offenses into bad positions. The corners have to capitalize and not just our slot and nickel corners. No, 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 no. Outside guys, you've got to capitalize because you know what's coming at this point. You don't have to think about the run. You don't have to think about underneath routes. You don't have to think about any of that because guess what? You can always let them have the stuff underneath. Rally, make a tackle, get off the field. As opposed to uh, when you're when you're looking at the back of a receiver's head and all of a sudden the other team is striking up the band or 
you know, you need a stop here. The, the You've put them in third and 12, third and 13, fourth and I want to say it was Wake Forest that converted like a fourth and eight or fourth and nine. You've put them in the bad position to where you know running is out, running the ball is out. It's out, period. And then you allow the receivers to get open behind you or you lose your – you don't trust your technique and you commit a, a uh, pass interference that is automatic first. Now, the corners have to grow up, period. Yeah, and just taking a look at the corners, I mean, that, that is something that – I feel like it's going to be critical in that Texas game. I mean, you bring in for us new offensive coordinators that Kit Lee from Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky, obviously last year enjoyed record-breaking success under Bailey Zappi. So it's going mm-hmm. to be Tech is going to challenge the NC State corners. I feel, feel like I'm going to foreshadow this a little bit. I think that's one of the major keys to the game on both sides. But one last position preview before we get into our predictions and keys to the game. Just want to talk a little bit about special teams you lose Donovan Knight who I believe did have a little bit of a role in kick returns and was your primary guy when it came to returning kicks you do bring back your main turner I believe in Thayer Thomas the wide receiver correct me if I'm wrong on that but a little bit of turnover on the special side as well Townsend graduate transfer Shane McDonough you would expect him to take on some of the roles on punting um is special teams a massive concern or do you guys think that it's one of those things where you have under control as you look into this year well, let me tell you something. All right, to say that uh, to say that Bam Knight was a little bit of a part of our um, to a little bit of a part of our return team is is to say that the marshmallows are a little bit of a part of Lucky Charms. That man was the he was the star of that show. He was the guy. He made it happen. He had multiple times where um, you know we were looking like we were in a bad position, and and Bam was either going to take it back or take it all the way back, or at least put us in good field position to get us off to a good start to that drive. Now, with that being said. Do I have a lot of concern about our special teams? Um, Christopher Dunn is a guy that he's been up. He's been down. His sophomore year was really, really good. Ever since then, he's kind of had a middling type of career. He's, he's had some struggles. He had some good games and bad games. This is his last go. Okay. And this is if, if he doesn't produce a swan song to, you know, make this thing something beautiful and, and, and go out the right way. And I am going to be a little bit concerned there. But other than that, I mean, we're, we always do what needs to be done in terms of special teams. I don't know who is our special teams recruiter or who's out there getting our special teams folks, but year after year after year, it just seems like NC State uh, special teams are, are always going to be uh, in a good way. I want to say last year it was Trenton Gill who got drafted. Before that, it was A.J. Cole who who was a Pro Bowl punter before. So I, I don't know who's doing it. I don't know. If the punt gods or whatever the case may be are in NC State's favor, but I don't really worry about our punting all that much. I don't worry about our kickoff coverage either. Uh, other than the massive bust against Mississippi State to start off that game, they're, they were good for a majority of the season as well. So I think if I'm looking at our special teams, I trust our special teams coordinators and the the, the guys who do the kicking and the, and the um, punting to to they. I don't think that there'll be a liability. I'll put it that way. Got you. Now, as we head into the, the final segment, we're going to take a look at our predictions, keys to the game, and then we'll have other nuggets about NC State. But first, message from our sponsors. Welcome back here, previewing the NC State Texas Tech game for the 2022 football season with Kenton Gibbs of the Locked On Wolfpack Show. If you don't already check out his page, 
she has some good stuff, whether it be about NC State football. He'll be having a lot of stuff coming up soon about offseason coverage, so be sure to stay on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, it's time to get to the fun part of the show, the preview, the prediction, and to the game. So can someone I was on with in the last week or so gave me a good, a good saying for this and it was if you woke up from a coma on the day after the game so in this case if you woke up from a coma on september 18th and you found out that nc state which is likely to be heavily favored against texas tech ended up losing the game what would you think would be the main reason why that is um i would say if they lost it would have to be high score and it would have to be that the courts have in fact showed that they have not progressed at all from last year and Texas Tech took great advantage of that. I would I would assume that that would be um, what the situation was. And you combine that with a potential inability to run the ball, and you could see a world where this happens. You could absolutely see a world where that, that happens. Yeah, for sure. And as you look to this game, I know when we're recording this, this is a couple of months out from when the game's actually going to happen. So there's a lot of projecting going on but give me a couple of players that you think could be the main sort of catalyst for change one way or the other in terms of the swinging of the game for nc state in this one. Oh, absolutely um devin carter's a guy that i've been beating on the beating on the uh, table for a long time about saying this is going to be his year this is going to be his year and it starts to feel like groundhog day but guess what if it's groundhog day call me bill murray because i still believe i think that this is the year where devin carter fixes those minor things with inconsistency, and he combines that 18-yard per catch ability with making the little plays, with making the mundane plays. And, you know, y'all cornerback room is also – y'all also got some pretty big guys over there. One of them y'all took from us in Malik Dunlap. And and I, I think that uh, while that is – while size is never a bad thing to have, I do think that there may be a little bit of a deficiency in terms of speed there – and so um, if Devin Carter and Anthony Smith can find ways to have Texas Tech folks looking at the back of their heads all game, it's going to be a, a, a very good game. So those are some guys. And one more, one more guy that I'll say could have a massive uh, impact on this game. He does it all. He does everything. He can rush the passer. He can uh, hold it down against the run. He's good in coverage. He missed a lot of last year, but I know he's going to be itching to get back. Peyton Wilson. If Peyton Wilson um, is able to be effective in in his zone drops, is able to be effective in analyzing plays, I think that it will be a very, very good day uh, for NC State football. Yeah, and Peyton Wilson coming off of a season-ending shoulder injury last season. He is back for more for NC State, a guy that should have been drafted had it not been for the injury concerns. Just to come back, he's going to be an impact player. But we talked a a lot about the offense. We've talked a lot about the defense, a little bit about special teams, and a couple of keys, but now it's time. Ken, what do you think the final score of this game is going to be? I think we're looking at 38-21 NC State. I think that um, I Texas Tech has historically not done much defensively. And don't get me wrong. I know, you know, uh, a few years ago with guys like Dakota Allen and whatnot, they, they were starting to kind of swing the pendulum back the other way. But I I can't see a world where uh, Texas Tech slows this um, NC State offensive offense down meaningfully. But I also can't see a world where NC State's defense holds Texas Tech completely off the board. 
I, I doubt that that'll happen. I know that, you know, they're going to get theirs and that's going to happen, but I've, I've got NC State winning this one pretty handily. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with State winning as well. I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than the prediction that you had. I think the biggest thing for me that bothers me is that Devin Leary is a quarterback that quite simply doesn't make mistakes very often. And if you look at when Texas Tech had success last year when it, in those sorts of games against Iowa State or B State teams, they should have been real underdogs against that happened when you had quarterbacks that were mistake prone will rogers kind of having an uncharacteristically poor game when it came to fitting things into tight windows i do think tyree wilson for texas tech is going to be an interesting matchup against the offensive line of nc state if you have some of those issues that popped up at times last year wilson is the guy that could have a huge game he had a massive game against against mississippi state as well as against iowa state so the pass rush for tech is going to be something i could see being a, a really impactful thing but with Leary's consistency with the deep play threats that NC State has on the outside, the fact that this defensive this defensive unit, I think in the corner position especially, you have a little bit of reason to be concerned with Texas Tech. So I think I'm going to take State to win. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 41 to 31. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. Leary's efficiency, again, Someone whenever you've got a guy that has a 7 to 1, touchdown interception ratio is incredible i do think that say has a little bit of questions when it comes to the running game like you mentioned and that might be that might allow tech stick around but even if tech's offense is firing i just think the defense is a little bit too far behind this year to match up against a team like nc state which granted i mean they're a really good offense i don't think for any tech fans watching this that losing the state would be a reason to write off the season or anything but i do think this game is going to come down to which team can have more consistency on the offense, I think that's going to be NC State. Although, again, like you mentioned, this isn't a game where it's a massive shocker. I do think that there are ways for Tech to win this game offensively, especially in taking advantage of some of the inexperience or some of the inabilities and a little bit inexperience in the defensive backfield for State. But that's going to be it. That wraps up our preview. Now, for me, you can follow me at Eraser41 on Twitter and the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. Kenton, where can the people find you? Absolutely. You can find me at LO underscore Wolfpack uh, for the Locked On Wolfpack Twitter. You can find me at TGIF underscore Kenton. Just be aware you're not getting Kenton the sports analyst. You're getting Kenton the man there. So there will be things besides sports. Got you. And as always, you can find both Locked On Texas Tech and Locked On Wolfpack wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Pod, or wherever, as well as on YouTube. Both of us have YouTube channels that are continuously going up, so do check that out. In the meantime, if you want to get some more information on both of these teams, you can check out either the Locked On ACC channel, hosted by host Candace Cooper, who does a great job over there, or the Locked On Big 12 channel with host Josh Neighbors. You can see me on the roundtable this upcoming week, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Kenton, thank you for your time. It's been great learning about NC State. I highly recommend everyone check out Locked On Wolfpack in the days coming up for the Tech game. And I want to leave you with one last question. For any Tech fans making the trip to, in, to North Carolina and to Raleigh, give us two places that you think we should check out in the days leading up to the game. Well, I'll tell you this. It depends on where what you're going for. But um, if you're looking for, if we're, if we're talking about food places, which I believe was where you were going there, yes. there should be there should be two places that I, I would probably advise you go. One of them requires a, um, a reservation, real upscale type place. 
Sullivan Steakhouse. I don't think y'all got that in Lubbock. Do y'all have a Sullivan's in Lubbock? Not Sullivan's. Okay. Yeah, Sullivan Steakhouse. Absolutely amazing place to eat. I mean, mm, chef's kiss, top notch. Um, with that being said, a, a place for folks who like you just kind of want something on the way and something a little different or exotic that you might not have, I probably advise cookout. Cookout is a uh, pretty good snack. And after the game, if you get a little, uh, if you have a few drinks or whatever the case may be, and, you know, and nothing hits like a good old-fashioned cookout tray in that moment. That, and, again, that's that's something that – I don't know if y'all got those in Lubbock either, but that's something that is one of those things that it's it's just kind of a – if you've been to North Carolina, you kind of got to get it one time. Highly recommend cookout for anyone who doesn't. They're not in Lubbock, but if you make the trip to Raleigh, I'm going to be upset if you don't try out cookout but that's been all for today thank you to ken again for coming on i really appreciate it and as far as our show is concerned tomorrow we're gonna be taking a look at our next position preview taking a look at the texas tech offensive line that has been all appreciate the support and we will see you tomorrow